This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Hey, good morning to you. It is time for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White. I'm here today with the whole crew. We got Jeremy Thompson and Wilts Cotrera here. And uh, we want to take your calls this morning and your emails that we will take at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Emphasizing emails because uh, as at long last as I've, I've promised many times over, empty promises that I will get away. I'll find a way to make the emails more of a routine that I remember to do. And I think I, well, I didn't do it. Our IT guy, Kevin found a way to rearrange the emails and the way that they come into my email, uh, into my outlook so that everyday tech basically sits at the top. So if I ever check my email, which that's a whole other process that we've got to work through in time people, but, uh, the everyday tech email sits at the top. So every time we get one now, I see it immediately. And so in this shared Google Doc that we keep for each week's show for everyday tech, I see where Jeremy has typed in all of the emails. So, yeah. And you can email us everydaytech at mpbonline.org. We'll start with Wilts this week, who's been out for a little while, as uh, as you know, um, uh, not too recently now, but uh, in the last year or so, changed jobs. He's been super busy. Uh, uh, doing IT work for the people of uh, a county close by here, as well as uh, continuing to instruct people on how to stay safe with what they're doing. Uh, Wilts, what's been going on, man? It's good to have you back. Man, uh, yeah, I feel uh, feel it's, it's been way, way, way too long. Glad to be able to catch back up with you guys. It's um, it's been exciting as it, we're actually, believe it or not, getting ready to enter election season again. It's about time for all of that stuff to come together. So we've just been kind of Preparing, finishing up some uh, several updates, trying to make things a little bit more efficient, getting rid of some some old things that seem to linger for some reason that seem to get forgotten about. So it's uh, that's been fun times. Seems to me at the county level that that election season kind of doesn't really ever end. I mean, when one ends, you got to do like a postmortem on how everything worked and you know what yeah, what issues there yeah, were. In between, yeah. Well, it's like, you know, a lot of people see it as, you know, that one, you know, like we have the primaries coming up and then any potential runoffs and, of course, the generals. And so a lot that goes on behind the scenes, such as, you know, making sure the equipment stays calibrated, making sure things are, you know, um, stay updated. And since since nothing at all is connected um, wirelessly wired otherwise, I mean, everything is, is absolutely independent, no transmitting it's a very manual process. You do everything one at a time. And um, so yeah, it takes a lot to make sure we keep it up to date and make sure we're keeping things accurate and keeping things, you know, uh, good and reliable for everybody out there. So yeah, there's a lot that goes on besides just those couple of days out of the year. You know, the thing is, is, um, you know, I was going to say that um, I, I was not going to hit you out of nowhere with this and, and, and blindside you, but I, I think everybody's like, well, how come we just can't all vote online or something like that? Like, why do we have to go out and do it? And I'm like, I'm sure that 
something that seems so easily that we could do, there's a reason we can't do it yet. I'm sure you know to a large extent, but I'm sure that's a long, difficult process to try to explain to people in a way that it would be satisfactory. So I'm not going to throw you under that bus two minutes into the show. as a very as a very simple example, um, would you be willing to send me your credit card or social security information via an email? No, sir. Exactly. There you Why go. <laughs> is, because I mean, and and the the problem is, and the problem is with a lot of digital things is when you open it up. Um, well, there's there's a reason I tell people, uh, you know, we'll never get away from at least for a while from the fax machine. And one reason for that is is simply hospitals and doctors uh, sending medical information, sensitive, personally identifiable. Yeah, let me use my words here. <laughs> personally identifiable information via email is just inherently insecure. Um, you know, we hear you, you hear about it literally every day. Someone's gotten someone's passwords, or and you know, let's just be honest. People use the exact same passwords for multiple things no matter how many times we preach against it. Uh, so a simple compromise would let that information become open. Um, and so we still use a fax machine because that fax machine is between fax machine A and fax machine B, and there's a lot less opportunity um, for interception and potential manipulation. So as a result, you know, um, for that same reason that you wouldn't want, you know, you wouldn't want to send me that information you wouldn't honestly want to send your wife that information, even though she is totally privy to that kind of information. I won't even send that to my wife. You know, if we're going to talk about those kind of sensitive, you know, say social security number, credit card number, or what have you, we're going to do it via a phone call. It's not going to be in a text. It's not going to be in an email. Um, and so, I mean, that that's probably very simplified for it, but that 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 to me is – kind of goes to the core of why we don't want to just, you know, hey, your bank may send you something today saying that they need your password. We already know things on the Internet. Not everything on the Internet is true, unfortunately. i tell you what. I hope that wasn't too uh, too too rambling there. But that's no. Kind of, I've had that question thrown at me a few times. Like, why don't we just – it's like, well – would you be willing to send me this? And the answer is always no. Since I well, I get, you know, like with the last election and you had several of the states go right down to the end and, and just, you know, a couple of hundred or a few thousand votes separating an entire state worth of elections and, you know, counting extra slow to make extra sure it's careful. And folks are I get it when folks are like, hey, it's 2022 or whenever that, you know, went down. It's or 2020. It's like, why? Why does it take four days to count an election in 2020? And I'm like, I see that to a certain extent. But do you remember the last election or the one before that? And we've had all this rigmarole right down to the end. But anyway, that's not yeah. what I wanted well, to I mean, go down Yeah. But I'll let me use that, too, as an opportunity to invite folks whenever we are actually doing, um, for example, the, the, the tallying and when the results are coming back in from the polling places and everything else. When we're doing all of that, that whole process is open to the public. So we actually have the public, we have reporters and we have different people who are interested that are actually in there and can see just the checks and balances we go through to make sure that what information is coming in. There, there's not, I don't know that I'm trying to think of my words properly, but 
Um, well, just so just so people know, and balances, there's not a there's not a single person or even a single set of people that have, you know, oversight on that. We do it open to the public. Anybody, you know, every and, you know, I, I can only speak for us and being I presume and I believe that others do. Um, and I mean, I would definitely, you know, encourage people. I've encouraged, you know, my kids and everyone else. Look at the process. Um you know, the, we see that a, a ton of the news, people with, you know, trust issues, not not just with this, with a whole bunch of things. And I'll say, hey, you know what? Take a few minutes. Go ahead and hop in the car. Go out there and check it out. Yeah. Um, if, if you're concerned, if you're, if you're interested and just really just because I think as a citizen, it's good to know. Go check it out. We want people seeing that we are taking all of these extra steps to make sure that each and every vote counts and each and every vote is securely counted. Um we take it very, very seriously. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of integrity that goes into it. We we want to we want to provide that. So absolutely, Jeremy Thompson, the Hattiesburg Computer Doctor, man. What's been going on for you? Last time we spoke last week, you said things were starting to ramp up for you in the summertime. What's what's been happening in the last week or so for you? Yeah. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, things have been good. Um, I got called yesterday by a client I've done lots of work for for the past several years, and they were like can you help one of our clients in Florida? And I was like, well, I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> if, if if their computer turns on, it can get on the internet. Yeah, sure. So uh, I call this um, uh, remote worker, Kelly, and uh, she tells me that she is waiting for tier two support from Autodesk. So Bam. she's like, yeah, <laughs> bought this new computer, hasn't been working too great, uh, had, had the software loaded, then there was like some gpu glitch she said there was a bunch of pixels and stuff on the screen i was like oh that sounds bad out the gate so um she explained to me she had at first been able to run autocad on the computer and everything was fine but then a few little errors occurred and uh, suddenly she could no longer run her software so she uninstalled it reinstalled it and then for some reason she couldn't get it to log in to autodesk online to validate her account you know, it has to do that little trade-off where it's like you got to log into it, yeah, yeah, and then it'll let you use the software. Well, it would never log into it, and so Autodesk couldn't figure it out, and they were like, "All right, we gotta, we gotta escalate this. This is, this is a big deal." Uh, well, the big deal turned out to be uh, Google Chrome's fault. Somehow, the installation for Chrome had gotten all jacked up. So um, I went in there and I took Chrome out. And it pops up and it's like, hey, uh, what do you want to use to open this? Do you want to use Edge or you want to use Chrome? And I was like, what? Just remove Chrome. So <laughs> let me try Edge. So I picked Edge and it popped right up. And I was like, there you go. There's your problem. So I reinstalled Chrome. And uh, yeah, Tier 2 support can hold off. I got this one. Um, was able to uh, to get Autodesk to load and log in properly. Uh, but her GPU errors that she described, I was like, uh, you kind of just described like a dying graphics card to me. So while I was connected to her machine, I did some stress testing and um, it didn't it didn't pixelate or have anything crazy happen with it. So I think it was a uh, driver issue. So we updated all the drivers and everything and got the client working within just a couple hours. So uh, that was a uh, a nice uh, save there. And um I don't know how long it takes to get support to contact you back, especially when you know they they support the entire globe, um, but they don't have to worry about it. So I was uh, happy to be able to deliver a win 
on that front. It also kind of sort of cracks me up that they can't reinstall the browser. I don't know. I don't know. They were they were telling her all kinds of stuff. They obviously didn't know what they were talking about because they were like, "Oh, you got the wrong version of Windows." And I was like, "What?" Like they were like, "Oh, you need you need Pro. It's got to got to be Pro and you've got Home." And it's like, mm, "No, that's no, no, that's not it." So, anyways, uh yeah, uh problem solved. Yeah, that tech person um, needs to accidentally pretend like they got disconnected or something at that just, point. Just well, just like, Oops, I accidentally hit the button. It right, makes sense. Yeah, it's, that's totally an accident. I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> you know, when I worked at uh, Walmart.com, which I did for a few months um, as a uh, a telephone operator, uh, that would um, accidentally happen when somebody would get a difficult <laughs> customer. They'd be like, "Yeah, I just accidentally hit the space bar and hung up on them because it really was that easy." Oh, holy cow! That's I, super easy. I'd hang up on people I all the time. I never did that, but yeah, that was an interesting job, but I, I won't get into that right now. Just, just to let you know that there are some people that regularly called that number late at night just to talk. Oh, I don't doubt that at all. It was, it was bizarre. It was, I, I didn't work there very long. I couldn't make it in a cubicle for very long before I just had to leave. That sounds like the phone version of the uh, Haribo uh, gummy bear reviews. <laughs> Like you were, you were taking those, you were taking those reviews over the phone in real time, essentially right. at the at the Walmart help desk. Now, it sounds like a an, a fun experiment that would be a whole show worth of stories over just those couple of months. You could probably tell. But uh, first, let's go to the phones before uh, we take our first break today. And I've hit the wrong button already on the first call. There we go. I got to oh, fix now. Boom. Robbie has called us from Peru. That would have been terrible if I'd have hung up on Robbie. Robbie, what's going on? Good morning. How's, how's it going? Good morning. Doing good. It's wintertime down here. Um, I have a Samsung A71 phone. And apparently, in typing text messages, misspelling words, I'm thinking they got locked into the dictionary or whatever you would call that. Is there a way to get in to delete all of those misspelled words? Because they keep popping up in other text messages. Yeah, you should be able to either go into the settings and find a list of words that are saved. Or your app might be a little more spiffy, and you might just be able to hold down your finger on the incorrect spelling and tell it, do not suggest this again. That's how mine works. Um, I use oh, okay. uh, SwiftKey, uh, which is a, a really cool uh, soft key that you can use for Android. And if you find that your app is not easy enough to navigate, you might want to check that one out. That was SwiftKey. S-W-I-S-S or F-T? Swift, like fast. Yeah, F-T. Swift, okay. All right, thank you so much. All right, Robbie, we appreciate it. It is interesting because, you know, you know, we all have, you know, our little idiosyncrasies that we type in and and things that we say certain ways that we misspell intentionally, you know, as a joke. Right. right. And yes. we, you want it after 37 times of it trying to correct that for you into like a sawmill or something like that. You're like, that's not what I'm trying to say, dude. I'm not trying to send sawmill to my mom. Uh, so, like, you, you finally get it to recognize that this is your way of spelling a thing and it finally accepts it and stops red dashing it and uh i could i could see though like i don't know if you wanted to give your phone to your kids or something like that they don't want all your vernacular in there so they're that's cool to be able to have a way to go and reverse some of that to a certain extent or maybe get it to understand that this is a word you're going to be saying and 
while next to the Webster's Dictionary. No, that's not how this is supposed to be spelled. But when I'm making a joke with my sister and my mom, I'm going to spell it this way every single time. And you can stop telling me it's wrong because I know it's wrong. Anyway. Right. I wanted to spell the word okay with like six A's just to really show you I'm dragging it out. <laughs> no there, doubt. But I don't want that suggested every time. That's right. Yeah, Let's go with all the O's. It's, That's <laughs> right. It's almost like the keyboard needs like a drunk mode that you can just toggle on and off like, oh, yeah, I've been drinking. Don't don't save any other stuff. Absolutely. You know, I was looking for this specific information right before we went to the break. Finding the personal dictionary in Android may be a challenge for some devices. For example, the Motorola Moto X. The personal dictionary is simple to find. Just look at settings, then language and input, and personal dictionary. In other iterations of the Android device, you might find the personal dictionary a bit hidden. For example, in the Verizon branded LG G phones, the personal dictionary is found by following these steps. Tap language and input. Then the settings button for your keyboard, and then tap additional settings. And then you got to scroll down and tap personal dictionary. And at that point, you'll see listings of words that you've added to your personal dictionary. Like, let's go, or uh, gentle funk, as the uh, example is in this picture here on this website that I found on the uh, techrepublic.com. So that's that's one way you can do it. But I, ha- I have seen that before, and it is cool to look at your personal vernacular and see how ridiculous you are when you text with other people. In your settings menu, um, which is usually represented by a little gear in, well, all of our phones, uh, you should also have like a little search feature and you should be able to just type in personal dictionary and it should pop up. There you go. And then you can tap on it and go right to it. Before we get into these emails, let me ask you about what I talked about right before we went to the break, guys. Um, Getting text messages now that are the same as, you know, the, the ones that I've, I've been getting, the ones that I guess more and more people are getting more and more often, and it's just randomness. Like, hey, it's Barbara. Are you joining us in Manhattan Beach for dinner this evening? And it's like, uh, hmm, I'm in Jackson. Probably won't make it by this evening to Manhattan Beach, but thanks for the offer, you know. But not responding to those is one thing. But now these texts are being amended with the – with reply you – to unsubscribe or in for no or something like that. Just that extra little hook that makes it look just a little bit more official than they did before. Now it's not so much it looks like basically a wrong number text message. Now it looks a little bit more intentional. That's just disingenuous. But here we go. It's it's the people with the black hats getting better and better and better at, at hooking people. Well, if it's uh, coming to you and it's trying to look personal, then it says something like, type this back to to unsubscribe, then it's, I mean, it's unsolicited first off. So if it's unsolicited, do, do not respond to it. Absolutely. Because it's not going to play by any rules that allow you to actually unsubscribe. All it's going to do is take note of your number. It's like, hey, this is a legitimate number. I'm going to use this guy more because now we know there's a human on the other end. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, I I, I want it. And we talk about this a lot. It seems like every week we talk about these text messages. But I know for me personally, and I don't know if it's just where I am with my journey with these folks. But just this week, I noticed I started getting the unsubscribe more. And it's not just so much random scattershot messages that seem obviously not intended for me, but a little bit more I, adding the uh, I guess the juxtaposition, if that's the way to put it, of it being the wrong e- the wrong person, obviously, and an unsubscribe. Now, that seems like closer to something that 
maybe I can fix or take care of. But again, to reiterate, do not reply to those. No, 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 no. And I think we can safely say, Jeremy, you're thinking no. Yeah, it's oh. it's a definite no. A definite. Yeah, if no. you don't have a pre-existing, it, it, it's kind of like if you got that credit, that unsolicited credit card offer in the mail. Are you going to send it back to them to say no, or are you going to throw into the shredder or the burn pile and be done with it? Right, right. Eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. You can call us. You can email us. EverydayTechAtMPBOnline dot org. Several emails to get into. All right, here's the first one. It says, I have an Android Icon 3, which is a Cricut brand. I've bought at least three HDMI Type-C cables to be able to connect to my Vizio. Now we're talking about TVs. All of the YouTube videos show you all you do is connect, and then you can watch movies from your phone. It is very well possible. It was that simple. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is very well possible that my phone may not be compatible to these devices simply because it is an off-brand Android. Thanks for your help. Well, he answered his own question, he, he or she. Um, it's likely that the phone doesn't support that feature. I couldn't find any documentation saying that that phone allowed any kind of output from HDMI to USB-C. Most of your flagship phones, i.e. the ones you're going to spend over 700 bucks for, uh, those are going to be the ones that support those features. Now, you might some f- find some that are cheaper uh, that can do it, but that phone specifically is not one of them. So you'd be better off getting like a Chromecast or Fire TV or something like that and doing screen share. Very interesting. Now, can I give you a little praise report here? Like I, for Christmas, I got a Samsung smart TV, one of these that was super cheap in the Walmart. Got one of those for Christmas and just now in the last couple of weeks had time to sit down and set up Samsung's PC to TV uh, app that they have built into their TVs. Also installed it on my PC, which is in kind of like a, it's kind of like a, an extra room in the house. It's a small bedroom that we use as a computer room, essentially. So just as long as all that stuff is on the same Wi-Fi network, now I've got a, a, a Bluetooth keyboard and not wireless, made that mistake the first time, a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse paired into my television that can go and find on the Wi-Fi network my my souped-up PC, which is in another room, and my wife won't let me move it out of that room. But now I get to use it on my television, wherever that television is, because of that PC to TV. And with the wireless keyboard and mouse, I don't have to go in that room anymore, and it stinks because my son spends a lot of time in there. But anyway... Uh, yeah, so I get to I get to be in the living room and use my souped up PC from the computer room, and like this that's, has unlocked the happiness in my life, guys. This is what I've great. been looking for for years. I, I, don't, I don't I don't need excuses to buy <laughs> smart TVs, Jay. Right. I tend to talk down about them, but yeah, that is pretty darn cool. I mean, when I, when I, I I had been looking for the ways to piece all of this together. And when I finally figured it out and I was looking at it, I was like, and and where I kept tripping up is I kept going and and I have a, like everybody who fancies themselves a tech person at all, I have a lost pile of left socks of tech, which is like, it's wireless mouses and wireless keyboards and HDMI cables and every type of technology that no one uses anymore and hasn't for 10 years. 
and random old hard drives and laptops from 1998 and everything else. So anyway, uh, you know, it's a rule, by the way, the moment you throw those away, you need them. Exactly. There is later. without question. Yes. As soon yes. as you throw that bin away, you need everything in there. It all totally comes different. back. It all comes back at once. But yeah, I finally I, I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. I, I, I think if I just go get Bluetooth instead of wireless, I've got this. And it just, yes. Click. And now my family is like, they're begging me to come back now. I'm like, no, go to your rooms and stuff. <laughs> Not really. So uh, that was, that's, I know we ask folks when you have a great thing that happens and you find some awesome tech that you can live in for a minute and really enjoy to, to, to call us and talk about it every, every week when we come on, we would love to hear from folks. Uh, a, uh, a, an email to get into here. Uh, Jeremy, I'll listen uh, to most weeks of everyday tech. I'm some sustaining member, not that it matters on this issue, but we certainly do appreciate that. Uh, I want your advice. Uh, how to get rid of or to keep not happening again, the two warnings shown below. In both cases, I do not notice an adverse effect on operation of the computer, except as a nuisance. What, if anything, can I do to keep them coming up again? Thank you for your suggestion. So from there, Jeremy, do you want to explain maybe what the, uh, uh, what the error messages that he's getting are? Sure. And work, uh, work, maybe work back from there. Yes. Yeah, so um, the message that comes up is an error that says no HDDs with smart. And the email says that this message comes up shortly after the computer boots and it will uh, looks like it will keep reappearing. No, 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 no. Just just to catch the warning, they can hit OK and then it goes away. Uh, and they said that this started happening when they changed their external backup drive from a two terabyte Seagate to a four terabyte. So what this first one looks like to me is a utility that was made specifically for that first drive that performed a smart test. And a smart test is uh, a diagnostic that is done on your drive to make sure that it's not about to die on you. And so it's mostly just uh, metrics to see uh, if your drive has too many bad writes on it or uh, lots of corrupted data. Uh, so with a uh, with a utility that runs a smart check, it's trying to make sure that the drive didn't just doesn't just randomly die. At least there's you know some some indicators that it's going out. Uh, unfortunately, it only works with that specific drive, so it wouldn't work with the one that they installed afterwards. So what they need to do is actually go into their uh, add and remove programs and see if they can locate. Any Seagate utilities. Um, it says that they're running Windows 10, so uh, the best way to get to that is to go to the control panel, and the easiest way to reach that is to hit Windows key and R and type the word control. Then it'll come up, and you click on uninstall program. Just search through that list for anything that says Seagate and destroy it. Now, in addition to that, if it's um, in your startup options, then you can hit control, shift, and escape, which will bring up your task manager. And you can go to startup, uh, the startup tab, and then look in that list for anything that says Seagate. And be sure to right-click it and disable it. That should get rid of that message. 
Now, your second question can also be answered by using the same screen. So keep your task manager open. And let's talk about your second issue. It's from Bitdefender, and it says that a problem has occurred in Bitdefender Threat Scanner. A file containing the error has been created at this temp file in Windows. You're strongly encouraged to send the file to the developers, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I was interested in this one, like, hmm, there's got to be something out there to tell us how to fix this. And uh, so before going any further, I would say look in this same startup list in Task Manager – and look for anything that says Bitdefender, and go ahead and disable that as well. But I dug a little deeper on this one, and it turns out that there was a fix available on Bitdefender's website. But when you go to the site and you try to get the fix, you get a beautiful 404 page not found Oh, boy. There we error. Go. Yeah. So, you know I'm not one to give up easily. I decided to go and see... If the uh, the Wayback Machine, a.k.a. the Internet Archive, available at archive.org, had a cached version of this page. Dude, and you're, so work, I was you're able, working overtime already for that. I know, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I take my job very seriously. So I found a, uh, a, a capture of this page from 2013. 11 with, years ago. Yeah, with a or link. 10 years ago. Oh, Captain Math over with, here. There we go. With a, uh, with a link to a 32-bit and a 64-bit patch for this error. So if you can't find it in your startup list, I'm going to get Jay to send me your email, and I'm going to send you a link that still works for the patches. That's amazing. I was blown away. I was like, I'm going to click this. It's not going to work. There's no way. But somehow the Wayback Machine delivered the original link, and I was able to download both the 32- and 64-bit fixes. So I can help you. I will be glad to provide those links. And we will take care of that uh, in, a, in a short matter of time. I'll get that email to Jeremy. He'll send that email off, and we'll have that replied to. All right, 877-MPB-RING is the number, and we appreciate that email. It's a detailed – and by the way, they sent screenshots, which were very helpful, of course. And oh, I loved it. You can do that. If you, if you have the ability to do that and want to take the time to do it, then uh, that certainly, as always, is helpful. Let's go back to the phones in Ridgeland. We have Fletch. Fletch lives. What's going on? Good fellas. Hope y'all are well. Yes, sir. How about yourself? Oh, well. So, Jane, yes, whatever you were describing with your smart TV and your CC. Yes, sir. Uh, so the Samsung TV has, uh, or Samsung has a a PC to TV connect. It also works for Macs too. It's called PC to TV, but it works for any computers really. And um, it's a it's a pretty easy process once you uh, it, how you get to it. Now this is a little bit un um, not the easiest uh, setup, but. Uh, the way the Samsung TVs work, there's this whole um, linear setup of hundreds of TV channels that you can get for free so much as you have an internet connection that you can watch. And it's all sorts. And we've, I've joked about it on here. There's like a channel. It's all Family Ties episodes. There's one. It's all Duck Dynasty episodes. There's one. It's nothing but Minecraft walkthroughs and stuff. There's thousands of these channels. You, you can watch anything, but they're all free. But anyway, that's when you hit the home button on your remote, it wants to go to that. That's, that's what it sees as home. But if you can, if you toggle up from that on the remote, which is 
less than easy to walk through. It's not super intuitive. But anyway, when you scroll up, how you get to it is you change your sources. Basically, you go from your TV source uh, and skip over your HDMI source. And one of the sources you can do is PC on TV. And that's it walks you through the process from there. And it's uh, the, the other tricky part is that you've got to download the app on your PC or your Mac or your laptop, however you want to do it. And, and that it can be a little easy to, uh, or a little difficult to find the right exe file to run for your type of computer. Uh, so that took a little bit of digging to find the right thing. But once all that got set up, if your PC or laptop is on the same Wi-Fi network as that TV, it'll go and find it. And then this is what blew me away. I, I, not wireless, and again, this is where I've, I fell into a trap. Not wireless, but if you get Bluetooth mouse and and keyboard, you can pair them to the TV. And, I mean, it will go and project your TV or your, your PC onto your TV, and you can operate your PC through your TV with that with that Bluetooth mouse and keyboard. And you can also, I mean, you anything that's Bluetooth, so that means like game controllers, so like Xbox, like it recognizes Xbox controllers. So and, and, and this opens up a whole bunch of things that you can do gaming wise with your big bad boy TV in your living room. So, I mean, and there was already ways around this and ways to do this through, you know, um, uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, well, Steam. Mi- Microsoft has one. Steam has one. Uh, I'm trying to Nvidia is who I was also Nvidia, thinking of. They yeah. they have one that's done. Uh, Google tried to get in this with Stadia. Mm, sorry, but uh, yeah, it's 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 once it it's installed and set into place, it's pretty easy to use. And uh, I mean, depending on what your internet, I mean, if you got any kind of decent high speed internet, it's crystal clear, man. And it's uh, for me, it 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 made the PC not a thing that I have to go into this little computer room to do and, and 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 so from that standpoint you know watching you know youtube documentaries on the big tv well you could do that anyway with you know like like jeremy was saying earlier you could put a chromecast on your tv you could do it but this is a different way that you don't have to go through the ui that your tv has set up for all these apps which is usually wonky it's very easy to walk through the windows version or the mac version if that's what you do for all these things and it's just it's extremely easy all right, as I'm trying to figure out a way to get this uh, screenshot onto our show page here, Jeremy, let's dig into, and Wilts, let's dig into our uh, some of our other emails that we've got here while I post this really quick to our page here. So how about this one? I live about 10 miles south of Hattiesburg. I have phone service with a major carrier and pay about $165 monthly for two phones with 30 gigs of total data. This worked fine up until about six months ago. Since then, my internet's been slowing down to the point where it's almost useless, and my phone barely works sometimes. I've heard that my company's throttling back service to uh, induce its customers to sign up for premium service. It costs a lot more than I've been paying or am willing to pay. Recently, someone was in my house with service from another company. She's paying $90 a month for two lines with unlimited data. Her phone and internet work just fine inside my house. So I bought an unlocked phone and prepaid for a month with her company. When I got home, my phone would not work, even for calling or internet. So I got in my car and began driving toward town and stopping at different locations to test the phone. It turns out I get service with her company up to within six-tenths of a mile of my house, but not closer. 
Is there anything I can do or any device I can purchase that would enable me to have service with the cheaper company or any company at this point? Uh, I think, according to Tom, Tom needs some Internet service out at the house. What's going on? I just want to commend Tom's <laughs> investigative efforts I know. on just exactly what the deal is. Like, wow. I thought only I would go to these extents to figure out something. I, I'm blown away that he went and bought another phone with that company to test it. But it sounds like the phone that he bought might have been one of the cheaper ones. And maybe his friend has one with better antennas. Um, you could get a signal booster for your house. Uh, you may want to also talk to your service provider about boosting your available signal now. Sometimes they can do that. Um Again, uh, as far as uh, switching your 30 gigs um, at 165 a month, that, that seems high. Um, but if you trade it off for the $90 a month for two-line unlimited, it's just – it's going to go through bottlenecks, and they're very unpredictable. It's usually when you need your phone the most that you will experience this. I'm sure that everybody listening at some point has pulled out their phone and been like, why is it going so slow? <laughs> because you're in that unlimited lane with everybody else. And years ago, we had a neutral internet, and we don't anymore. So they can pretty much just decide to throw you in the unlimited lane. It's so great there. Uh, anytime they want. So the speed that they provide you is not unlimited. It is quite limited. So even, unlimited plans even when are it's called not, unlimited. not that great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, if, if, if you get unlimited at one kilobyte per second, well, that's not fast. Right. But it's unlimited. Yeah, unlimited. It seems like false advertising, but anyway. All right, just a couple of minutes left in the show. Uh, and here is the uh, email that we got from uh, Bailey regarding an email she got from uh, or was posed to be from the Social Security Administration, complete with logo at the top. It's a whole formatted email and everything. It, it does complete, look pretty good. Complete with a border, a case ID, and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, it says, regards, Michelle L. Anderson, Deputy Inspector General. I don't know that the Deputy Inspector General is sending out personal emails to, to people around the world. Or around the country? Probably not. But anyway, attention email of person, and it doesn't put, the, put their name. It puts their entire email. That, that's a little <laughs> tell, maybe? Yeah, maybe. That's a tell? It says, please be <laughs> alert. Unfortunately, your social security number has been temporarily suspended uh, owing to the identification of suspicious and illegal activities found during our investigation. What investigation? doesn't say. Just know you were, you were investigated. It is crucial that you take note of the given case ID, which is repeated. Please remember to reference the case ID provided when contacting our investigation, proper noun, capital I, investigation team. It is of utmost important, importance that you cooperate fully as your support is needed in all aspects to expedite the resolution of the case, to which she's still not been alerted to what that case is yet. To know the reason of termination and details, or in case of any questions, or if you believe this is an error, and those three phrases are all in parentheses, so maybe one was supposed to be selected and the other's taken out, <laughs> you can contact the respective authority, the respective authority, not us, just, yeah, 
on our toll-free number, and then there's a link to a number, and that's regards from Michelle L. Anderson, the Deputy Inspector General. Wiltz, if you got an email from the Social Security Administration's Deputy Inspector General, what would you think? Well, um, <laughs> what particular attention to you? You must be so important. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the ones that, you know, you get the email that says, hey, if you don't pay these taxes by giving us an Apple credit card, because, you know, the uh, the IRS accepts Apple credit cards now in lieu of cash. Um, what a deal for yeah, Apple. No, they don't, they, they, those things don't come via regular email. Those things usually come by a knock on your door. Yeah. So, I love the verbiage in this thing. Please be alert. Yeah. Who would actually say that in in a letter or or in any kind of serious communication? I mean, that's just that's a general guideline for life, right? Hey, please what, be alert. What I am looking at is that this is a very clean email. Yeah. Uh, the numbers that it references they actually match, and it looks very. Very well done. Now, of course, some of the English is questionable, but it's getting better. And you know what I think we've got to blame for that? AI chatbots. I think this is ChatGPT's new way of being weaponized against people. And as you can see, there's still some gaps and overuse of uh, parentheses and side notes. Just a tad. But it (laughs) is – it is developing, and that is a concern because before these letters stuck out like sore thumbs, and now it sticks out like I don't know, a, uh, like an a annoying cuticle, skin tag, or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and hangnail. But yeah, here's the thing, and, and you, you mentioned ChatGPT, and like you know, Bing has it. It has. Basically, a switch where you can change it from balanced to more precise to more creative. And you can give it prompts like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do right here. Say it in a way that's friendly and engaging, and it'll go to work. And it don't know, it don't know white hats from black hats. So, regardless, it's going to try to do what you want it to do. This is interesting. We'll, uh, we'll try to put a, a screenshot of this on our show page. Uh, so folks can see what these folks want to blurt out this email right here. But we appreciate that that email late in the show. And email's becoming a thing, evidently. Not many calls today. We appreciate our calls, but we have all the emails. And we didn't even get to all the emails again this week that we wanted to. So we've created for ourselves a little bit of a backlog, I suppose. That's going to do it for us today. Stay tuned. Coming up next is the original Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. We'll be back next Wednesday at 10 for more Everyday Tech. And I promise there's be gaming next week. Probably right after I stop talking on the show is when we'll do gaming the right way. But alas, it'll happen eventually. Have a great week, everybody. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.